This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Let's look at our text uh, beginning in verse 1 of John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus heard it and said, this illness is not, does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and Are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So. Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, 
She went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could, he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he had been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this, on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to set all things right, to bring life from the dead. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, be with me. Use my weak frame to proclaim your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus was friends with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And the word came to Jesus, sent by a messenger, that Lazarus was sick. Now, Mary and Martha, they lived close there to Jerusalem, and they knew uh, Jesus had just left the area upon threat of death. The people were trying to stone him because of what he had said about himself, because he had claimed to be the great, the good shepherd, because he had claimed to be one with the Father. He left that area not long ago. Because the people were about to stone him. Mary and Martha lived in this area. They knew probably that Jesus 
left because of the danger that he was in, yet because of how grave the illness was that their brother had, they called for Jesus. They said, come back. When Jesus heard it, verse 4, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We, we think of this statement. Jesus said, This illness does not lead to death. Now we know the end of the story. We, we know that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But imagine what this must feel like to his disciples when he says this illness will not lead to death. They must have thought, well, it must not be that serious. But it was serious. It was going to lead to death. But I think when Jesus says this illness does not lead to death, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't being deceptive. He meant the ultimate termination of this is not going to end in death. He may go through death, but that's not where the story is going to end. Jesus said, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That's not the first time this kind of, uh, these kinds of words come from Jesus in the Gospel of John. It just in chapter 9, you have the blind man and the disciples asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or was it because of his parents' sin? And Jesus said it wasn't because of anyone's sin. It was so that the glory of God might be displayed. The same thing comes here. Jesus, he says, this illness will not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. Jesus is pointing out what happened there with the blind man. Something like that's going to happen here. Lazarus is going through this illness so that God would be glorified. Now, we've all been sick from time to time. Have we ever thought about what is the purpose for my sickness? What is the purpose for my suffering? It's the glory of God. We may not come to the point of death and need a miracle to raise us to, the li to life, but it is glorifying to God when we face sickness, when we place, face illness, and we trust and continue to trust that God is good, that He will see us through those sicknesses, those illnesses. That brings glory to God. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That just does not sound right to us. Jesus loved Mary and Martha, so when he heard of the grave condition of Lazarus, he stayed two days longer. The way that's being set up, we see Jesus loved Mary and Martha, and we think it should end, so he left everything and went to Lazarus' side. But that's not what it says. He loved Martha and Mary so much that when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. 
He wanted them to see God glorified in what He was about to do. And staying two days longer magnifies how much God would be glorified in the miracle that He was about to do. Then after this, He said to His disciples, let us go to Jerusalem, or to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. This is a reference to back just a few verses before we began. He had claimed, I and the Father are one. He left, he went to the region where John had been baptizing. And the disciples knew, if you go back to Judea, there's trouble coming. They're going to get you, Jesus. They're going to try to kill you. Jesus answers them. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. It's kind of a a, a difficult passage to kind of understand. What does Jesus mean by this? Are there not 12 hours in the day? Now, I I know that in ancient times they they rendered a day differently. We would say, well, there's 24 hours in a day. Uh, Maybe he was thinking about the the daylight hours. Maybe he was thinking about Roman Roman reckonings of the days. I'm not exactly sure what Jesus was getting at. But basically he's saying, in the daylight, that's when we must work the works of God. That's something that Jesus said earlier in the Gospel of John. In the day, we do God's works. And the night is coming. This is from a few chapters earlier. Night is coming when no one can work. A reference to the time that's coming whenever He would die upon the cross. When He would no longer be with them. Whenever He would no longer be able to do the works, the miracles that bring glory to God during that time when He was dead. Jesus says, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Kind of makes me think of John, 1 John, same author. John talks about those who walk in the light as children of light. They're children of God, children of God sons of God. Those who walk in darkness are lost, separated from God. Whatever Jesus meant by this, he gave an answer to his disciples saying, this is what we have to do. I'm so determined to do the will of my Father. It doesn't matter that that there are those who want to kill me. I must go to Jerusalem and do what God has called me to do for his glory. Then Jesus says, After after saying these things, he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. We think of the Old Testament passages, maybe maybe of the the genealogy of kings, and and, uh, when uh, a king would die, he would say, Then king so-and-so slept with his fathers. That's the kind of language it's using in the Old Testament of, of of a figurative Language of dying. And Jesus says, 
I'm going to go to awaken him. The disciples misunderstand him. They don't think that Jesus is saying that he's going to wake him, raise him from the dead. They, they, they think that he's, that he's actually just sleeping, just resting. You say, Jesus, if you just let him rest, he'll get better. That's what he needs. You know, he just needs a nap. When we get sick, what do we usually need? We need to rest. We need some time in bed. We need to get better. That's exactly what the disciples were thinking. But Jesus, then he speaks to them plainly and says that it was his death that he was talking about. Lazarus has died. And then he says, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Now, how insensitive does Jesus sound to his disciples? Let's think about this. Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad that I wasn't there. That would, that would probably shock us if we were his disciples. We think, well, Jesus, if you were there, you could have saved him. Jesus, if you were there, you could have caused him not to die. But Jesus, no, he says, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad that I wasn't there. And he says, for your sake. This miracle was done for the sake of the disciples, for the sake of those who believe, to solidify and firm up their faith so that they would know he really was who he said he was because he had power over death itself. So Thomas, he said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. What does Thomas mean by this? From just a casual reading, it seems like maybe Thomas is saying, well, let us go die with Lazarus. But I don't think, let's not get confused and think that's the way it is. See, Jesus, his life was threatened to go back to Jerusalem, to go back to this area. There were Jews there who wanted to stone him. I think Thomas was saying, if Jesus is so determined to go back to Jerusalem, let us go with Jesus, even if it costs us our lives. Thomas, we think of as someone who was doubting Thomas. You know, he had to stick his hand in Jesus' side. But here, Thomas is expressing great faith. He's confident in Jesus. That if Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem, if Jesus is going to go to that area, even upon threat of death, Thomas says, let us go even if we die with him. Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How often when we face struggles, when we face something that just devastates us, do we feel like, God, why weren't you here for me? Why didn't you come through? I prayed. Why didn't... You answer my prayer. 
That's how Martha felt. She said to him, if you had just come, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died. And she was right. Jesus had the power. He had healed people before. Even the child of a, of a, of a, of a man who, who didn't even bring his child with him. Jesus just said, go, your child lives. And the man went home and he found that his child was healed. Jesus just spoke and from a distance healed this child. Martha knew Jesus had the ability to heal. And Jesus answers her. Well, let me finish her statement. She has a little bit of faith too. She's torn by this. She says, if you'd just come, my brother wouldn't have died. But then she, answers, she adds, but I, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. She was torn in her emotion. She knew, oh, if Jesus had just come, my brother wouldn't have died. But then she has this faith that she expresses as well. Even so, I know that God is able to answer whatever you ask for. Isn't that an amazing faith? She knew her brother had died, yet she still maintains her faith that Jesus has the power to do whatever God asks, whatever he asks God. It makes me think of Moses, or not Moses, Abraham, whenever he was asked by God to go up on the mountain to sacrifice his son. And they prepared all the wood and they prepared everything for the altar to go up the mountain. And the servants came up to the base of the mountain and they asked him, uh, he, he said, stay here and uh, my son and I will return. Now, Abraham knew that God had asked him to sacrifice his son, but he tells the servants, the lad and I will return to you. So somehow Abraham had that faith that this son that God had promised him, even though God had told him to kill his son, somehow God would see this through. That God would bring a miracle out of that. We know the end of the story. This is that same kind of faith. Martha, she was devastated that her brother had died, yet she trusted in Jesus, knowing that Jesus had the power to ask God anything and he would answer Then Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Now, we might say the same thing in a funeral. I was just at a funeral yesterday. Um, one of the men from Panama, um, the father of one of our members there, um, he had died last Sunday and uh, one of the things we encourage one another with is those passages that talk about the resurrection of the body. That one day Jesus is coming back. Those who have fallen asleep before will be caught up to meet him in the air and we'll be with him and we'll be with the Lord 
forever. And so that may have been, in fact, that was probably very much like what Martha thought. When Jesus said, your brother will rise again, she probably had in mind, because of what she says, she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She misunderstands Jesus. She thinks about the end, about the resurrection, the general resurrection, when all are raised from the dead for the judgment. She had that faith and hope and expectation in, in God setting all things right and giving life to those who believed in him. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Think of all the things that Jesus said that he is. He said, I am the water of life. I am the bread of life. I am the light. I am the good shepherd. All of those times probably pointing to the fact that Jesus was the very God who was on top of the mountain with Moses. And Moses asked, who shall I tell them sent me whenever he goes to lead the people out of the promised land? And Moses, God tells Moses, tell them I am has sent you. All of those times Jesus says, I am. He uses those words. He's identifying with God himself. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's not just some magician. He doesn't have just some trick. But he is in himself, in his very being, he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. We hold this same promise. If we believe in Jesus, if we trust in him, if we trust that his death on the cross was for our, for us, for our uh, sake, and that he, he took our place to cover our sin, we can have life. And though we may die, though we may be placed in the ground, we will never truly die. He will raise us up to live with him for eternity. We will, though we will die in this earth, we will be present with the Lord with a life that keeps on going and then we will be raised again. This is what Jesus promises to those who believe in him. And Jesus asked her, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Jesus had asked her, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that putting your faith in me will give life to people? And her answer is, I believe that you are the Christ, 
The Christ is the anointed one. The messianic figure from the Old Testament that was promised. You are the Messiah that has come. You are the one who was the son of David. The son of God. The one who is coming into the world. All of these things that John has said so many times up until this point. The Word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. We'll go on in verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary. Jesus answered to her, and this faith that she has in Jesus causes her to go and tell. When we have our faith in Jesus, what should it cause us to do? The same thing. Go and tell. She says, Mary, the teacher's called you. Come. Mary she doesn't waste any time. She gets up quickly. Maybe she was sitting there knitting. Maybe she was doing something to pass the time. It says she rose up quickly and went. And however quickly she went, she was so quick that all the Jews that had come around to mourn with her noticed it. And they got up and they followed her. They wanted to see what she was doing. Now Jesus has not yet come into the village. But he was still in the place where Martha had met him. She goes out to the place where he was met. Now Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him and she fell at his feet and said the same thing Mary said, Martha said. Exact same words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved. Jesus saw this weeping this morning and he had compassion on Mary. He was deeply moved. He felt the pain with her. He was greatly troubled and he said, where have you laid him? He wanted to know where the body was. They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible, but I think it is a very powerful verse. Jesus wept. As I said, I did a funeral yesterday. I was part of doing a funeral yesterday. One of the things I always have to remember at a funeral is Jesus wept. And that gives us permission to do the same. When we lose a loved one we, and when we experience the pain, if Jesus wept, then it's not a sin. It's okay to cry, to weep, to mourn. Now, 1 Thessalonians tells us we don't grieve as those who have no hope, but we do grieve, just not the same way. We cry, we weep. Jesus did, He was fully human yet fully divine. He was the Word who was made flesh, the Word who was with God, who was God. Everything that was made was made through Him, and yet He wept. How powerful this thought is to think that the Son of God, the Eternal One, 
wept. He wept when he had compassion on those who were grieving. And know that whenever we experience pain, when we experience loss, if Jesus was there with us, he would be weeping with us. And that's what he expects us to do. We will weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? There was a division among the Jews, just as there always was here in the Gospel of John. Some of them, they saw this and they saw a man who was moved with compassion. They saw this goodness that was there and then others, they just scoffed at Jesus. They had seen the miracle of the man who, whose eyes were opened, who was born blind. And that miracle of, of a man that was born blind was very significant. It comes up several times after the event as, as evidence of who Jesus really was. It's said at the end of, of uh, chapter 9 how, how no one has ever seen someone who was born blind who received his sight. We see in, in uh, Psalm 146 where it says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. And the same thing is said in one of the chapters of Isaiah. The Lord is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. When Jesus healed that blind man, he was proving he was God. Because it's the Lord that opens the eyes of the blind. And these people were saying, well, if he could open the eyes of the blind, surely he could have kept this man from dying. They scoffed. Then Jesus was moved again. He came to the tomb. There was a cave and there was a stone lying against it. All of these little details kind of foreshadowing what was to come whenever he was laid in a tomb with stone covering it. And he said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. We don't really get the impact of that like they did in Jesus' day. Today we have... Great funeral homes who will do embalming, who will do different things to kind of minimize the, the odor that comes. A few weeks ago, I had a trap set up for a, for a raccoon that had been getting into our, tr our trash. Our trash pickup is on Tuesday morning. It was a Sunday morning. We caught this raccoon. I humanely disposed of it, threw it in our trash, and it was only two days, and it was very, very strong. And then four days, Lazarus had been in this tomb. Four days he had been, I mean, and it was hot. You can imagine why Martha would say, we, we don't want to open this. You know, you, I mean, we, we, if we open it, we might just need to run. <laughs> I 
Jesus answers, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? He's saying you're going to see something here. Jesus had said at the very beginning, his illness won't lead to death, but it will be for the glory of God. That the Son of Man will be glorified. And here he points to the same glory of God. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Now that you always, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. Jesus didn't even have to do anything to, 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 to perform any action, to, to have them move the stone away or anything. He could have just spoken and the stone would have moved. He said, I don't have to do any of those things, but I'm doing these things so that others will believe. When the man had said these things, oh, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. We talked in our Sunday school lesson this morning. God created the whole world. He created light and he said, let there be, and boom, light came into existence. Let there be, and it happened. Let there be, and it happened. He spoke by his word. He still speaks by his word, and his word has power. And here, Jesus, those same words that spoke, let there be, and there was. He spoke, and he said, Lazarus, come out. Earlier on, I think it was in chapter 5, Jesus said, a day is coming when those in the tomb will hear the voice of the Son of Man, and this day has come. Jesus spoke, Lazarus, come out. I think of Ezekiel, the valley of dry bones. God tells Ezekiel, speak to the bones. He preaches. He proclaims to the bones and the bones begin to come together and bone connects to bone and the hip bone connects to the... <laughs> and these dry bones come together and live and they stand as an exceedingly great army. That's like what Jesus does. He speaks and Lazarus, though he was dead in the tomb and already stinking, he gets up. And he walks out of the tomb and the people see him and he looks like a mummy. He's still covered in all the grave clothes. His face is covered. They, he, Jesus says to them, unbind him and let him go. And he, they do. This is a miracle. Jesus has the power over death. He testifies to who he is. God is glorified in what Jesus was doing there. When we face our sicknesses, when we face various trials in our lives, when we cry out to God, why are you letting this happen to me? God has a purpose. 
all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. He's doing it all, forming it all for His own glory. While we don't understand at the time, just like Mary and Martha didn't understand at the time, they came to a point where they saw it was all a part of God's plan to glorify Himself. And while we don't understand at the time just like they didn't, we will come to a point, if we continue in faith in Jesus, we will come to a point when it will all fit together, when we will see God's plan, all of it. And it all brings about glory and praise and honor to the one who spoke everything into existence and speaks life to us. Jesus, the word of God has power to bring life from the dead. And even now, no preacher can be so convincing to save anybody. It is only through the power of God's word. Preachers need to have confidence in God's word and its truthfulness and in its power. If we just proclaim what God says, the power of God's word is able to change lives. The power of God's word is able to bring life. I've loved my times here with you guys. Uh, I, I just I'm thrilled by how in, in our in the Sunday school time you really closely pay attention to the word and you seem to have a, a very good trust in God's word. It's not like that in every place. There's some places you might go to a Sunday school class somewhere, if you're visiting someplace else and some passing attention may be given to the lesson and a lot of it's just talk about what's going on in the town and things like that. And, but you guys really seem to love God's word and I just really appreciate that about you and my time that I've spent with you these just these two times. Know that the power of God is in his word. It has the power to be able to bring life from the dead. Thank you.